Conforto slices one the other way. Base hit. That ties the game. Alonso in. Finds the third. It's Kipombo. He comes back. Try to score. He scores. And the Mets win. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 21st episode of the Shea Station podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can already tell that this is a bit of a different scenario, at least for me. It is 9 p.m. on Saturday night, Eastern time, uh, and we are doing our, I think, maybe our first emergency episode ever, I think, out of pure necessity, right? This is our first one. I think so. I think this is number one. We wanted to get something out real <laughs> quick. We could have recorded last night, but I think it would have been a little too hectic, and we possibly could have missed things because of some signings that came in way later. So this is the official emergency episode to talk about our Mets doing some big things. Oh my gosh. Well, how exciting, man. Yeah, man. I mean, it just, it was a, I think it was a six hour window of just trickle down effect of things coming together. It's pretty cool. Who would have known is the, the soon as you get a GM in there, things start to go. <laughs> so interesting, man. So it's, it's almost so like they needed a little bit of time to get his feet under him. That's good. Right. Good for Billy Epler though. First yeah. off, you know, a little hat tip to him coming in with a plan you know i'm sure there was other people around the the mines uh meeting but the to get the go ahead and and to hit the ground running that's why you get a guy with experience has has the guts and and the cojones to just do this thing and and that's what we needed that's what the mets fans just for like going into the holidays to take a deep breath Mm, absolutely we've got something on the table pretty significant as well obviously there's still some things left to do but but beautiful No, I definitely agree with that. Before we even get into the players and what it all means and how it changes the team, just the fact that you got so much done before a potential lockout, it means a lot to the fans. It shows that like, hey, we're still invested in this thing. We know it's been a rotating door of different people in charge, but Billy Epler came through in a huge way. We know that like he's big on position players and his struggle in the past with the Angels has been pitching. But this is a really encouraging sign really early on to get it done, get all of these done in one day. So we're going to tackle each uh, player that is newly a uh, New York Met. But first off, we've got to talk about a guy that uh, is dearly departed, who we didn't get a chance to touch on last episode because it happened, I think, the day after. We don't have bush lights to pour out. I'll get an edit and throw them in our hands. But we're going to pour one out for our boy Aaron Loop, who is unfortunately no longer a New York Met. Uh, R.I.P. All right, Peter, out. I'm glad this is our 21st episode because now we are of legal drinking age to actually Very have a nice. We Very made nice. it. <laughs> Classy. Classy and responsible. Yeah, that's what we are. We, that's what yeah, we do exactly. here at, at Shea Station, man. What are your thoughts on Loop and his departure? Ah, I actually think he left some money on the table. Did you see I did. what uh, Hector Nariz got today? I did. Pretty interesting. The same deal, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Uh, I He is a good pitcher with great peripherals. Uh, a solid human being with all my interactions we've had because our bullpens are always every time we face them when I was at the Mets we go back and forth because we're close Mm. great guy so I'm happy for him the Mets fans will be sad to see him go because as good as he is as a pitcher we hit him pretty well yeah and and in big spots most of the time so uh but he was well deserving that's why I think Aaron Loop left some money on the table because he is he was one of the best relievers in the game last year so but yeah he's not going to be upset because he has a big old fat paycheck coming his way for the next couple of years uh, and well-deserved man. Anaheim seems to be doing things. Um, It's a good, exciting fit. I've got some friends out there uh, in that organization and they seem to be going the way. So good for him. Yeah, man. I think that's the general consensus is like one, it's upsetting that he's left, but 
it's nice to see someone as beloved as Aaron Loop in just a season's worth of time with the Mets get that bag. It's 17 million guaranteed over two years, which is nice for a left-handed reliever for sure. Especially an old man. Yeah, old man Loop. What is he? 34, 33? You called him an old man on on. You called him just a loogie too, which also I hurt know. my feelings. Well, listen, listen. I I was well, about to, like a pure attack. I was about to own up to it immediately because it popped <laughs> in my head. I well, a couple things. One. I, I think I've become less sour because we got a couple signings in the rumor mill and uh, it came through. So that was nice Two, I want to Aaron loop. If you're listening, don't heed my words. Don't take them to heart. They were purely spite. <laughs> they were just toxicity spewing and bitterness. I'm not that guy. Yes. You want to go that grab a bush light. You want to go grab a beer. I'm more than open. Aaron loop. Those and then, are, that's one of the many uh, spring training meetings that we get from MLB mm. saying, don't, don't tweet you when you're in this when you're in this emotional state. So you do it because that's when your gold comes out. Not that gold doesn't always flow, but those are the ones. But uh, it wasn't you're you're on your way down, and you just tried mm. to grab me down and bring me into your chamber I of misery. Better. But I knew I knew happen. you wouldn't mind. I, I have heard mind. every single harsh thing that could be said about me, my 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 skinniness. My age, being a loogie, I've heard it all. You're never going to say anything fresh except if it's a, a new like phrase uh, of a young person that I've never heard, which is possible. And you'll just be confused, um, I think. I don't think you'll be offended. But yeah, right? Just shout More out perplexed. to Aaron Loop. Happy for you, buddy. The Mets are going to miss you. That's for sure. Mets fans indeed. But uh, yeah, I wish you the best of luck in the American League. We don't have to worry about it. Yeah, we don't have to see him. Uh, I know that there was apparently some three-year offers on the table, but I think Anaheim is sort of the early winner of this offseason. So naturally, they were like a lucrative spot to go. So they're doing well. They got a nice pitcher in Aaron Loop. They got a nice pitcher in Noah Syndergaard. Hopefully, we see them uh, in the Fall Classic next year. That'd be pretty fun, no? Yeah, that would be awesome, actually. If they get Stroman, too, and uh, I don't know know how you Mm. would handle that. Yeah, that'd be a lot. All right, let's talk about the guys we got. Enough talk about the Angels. We spent last episode talking about them the entire way. Let's talk about our New York Mets because we have three New York Mets as per yesterday's signing spree. I got to say, this was probably uh, the uh, worst weekend for the Mets to become the busiest team in baseball because of Thanksgiving, because of the all the family gatherings I've had going on. I haven't had a lot of time to be working or like checking my phone. So yesterday was a complete frenzy. I missed Eddie Escobar and Mark Canna like well after the signings were announced, but I was around for the, uh, the big blockbuster one that we're going to talk about at the end, but let's start, let's start with Eddie Escobar. Can I get just some raw thoughts here? Yeah, man, just a great offensive player, like a guy that fits, you know, um, anywhere he's, he is a power hitter. He's a guy that's not great on defense. Bring some speed. Just bring some fire. He's a great guy to bring into a lineup. Um, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Who did that for the, the Braves in their playoff run? Who came uh, from uh, a, infielder or outfielder? Yeah, infielder. Uh, infielder. Well, I know they got Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, all those guys. Eddie, infielder, I mean, Austin Rowley had his bounce back. No, here. no. Who was the guy that they – one of their traded for outfielder guys that, that was like their leadoff? That they, they basically won their NLCS. Was it not? Well, Soler, Soler was out of the NLCS. Who am I not thinking? Oh, was Soler? Yeah, right. Is it? Yeah. Soler yeah, was anyway. batting leadoff for them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, let spot. me get sidetracked. It is nine p.m. But uh, yeah, no, true. I think it's a great sign. He is a he is a jackknife kind of you know anything anywhere. He just brings fire to the plate. Uh, just a pro. And you you put something interesting in the notes was the. The stat cast homers if he played in center field. Yeah. So he hit 28 last year. Mm-hmm. So what was what was the number? 
Yeah, I thought this was real. I definitely stole this from Twitter because I saw it floating around a lot. But the reason why I really love the signing is because Eddie Escobar had a good season last year. 109 OPS plus, 28 home runs, 26 doubles, all nice things. StatCast has this great thing where they can project uh, the expected home runs for each hitter at a certain ballpark based on how far they've been hitting the ball throughout the season and all that data. If Eddie Escobar, and I'm going to keep calling him Eddie. I know his name's Eduardo, but I love the name Eddie, so I'm going to roll with him. If Eduardo Escobar <laughs> would have played at City Field last season, he would have had a 38 home run season. That's 10 more than he actually hit. I have to believe the Mets front office took that data uh, into account because the Mets, you know, had plenty of trouble getting the ball in the air, hitting for power at their home stadium this year. So if you have a guy that's sort of built and carved out for your stadium and you can get him at a cheap price, like 10 million AAV, you pounce on that. So this was an excellent signing by the Mets. I agree. Eddie Rosario was the name I was, we were both saying okay. he was like a spark I... plug. He came in, he, he came in and he just did a little bit of everything. I think uh, Eduardo um, uh, brings a little bit more, power mm. which is a little bit more what we need um because we have guys that can get on base and brandon nemo and another guy we're going to talk about but uh, i'm excited for this signing i think it's a pro and it's only two-year sign like it's a two-year mm-hmm. deal which gives us flexibility moving forward that's that's clutch for a guy of his caliber to get locked in for two years that's the ideal that's the ideal kind of time frame because if it's yeah. a miss you're only wearing it for a couple of years. If, if not, then he, he's a, a win. And I think you have a team option for mm-hmm. Canna and for right. Marte. So I don't know about Marte. I think Canna has the but, team option. Okay, gotcha. Um, That's exciting, I, man. And I, yeah, I, I totally agree with the two-year sentiment because I was, you know, dwelling on the 2021 season. And I'm thinking to myself, how nice would it have been had if we'd given Jonathan VR two years because of how surprising he was and how cheap he was. If we had had him for that second year, that'd be like sort of like a security blanket for us. So I think the Mets went the extra mile to make sure this was like a secure signing. And we touched on, you know, the multiple uh, positions before. The Mets have been lacking versatility for a while now. And I think having a guy that could play second base and third base, even if he's not solid at those positions, he's capable of playing them and has proven that over the past decade. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's, he's been able to shift around and that's what we need. We have too many guys that, that don't have a position because they're trying to be flexible because that's our need. Well, this guy can actually fill in for those guys without bringing a a complete travesty on the defensive side. And he's, he's got sick pop. Yeah, man. He really does. So nice lefty power bat, 111 home runs since 2017, 108 OPS plus since 2018. So he's been consistent in addition to all these things. But this was just uh, the tipping point for the Mets or really building up to that tipping point. We had no idea what was coming. I was perfectly satisfied with a nice Eduardo Escobar signing, go about my night, whatever. But uh, Billy Epler was not even close to finish yet and i know if you're a listener of the shea station pod and you listen to our building our lineups episode you know that i'm pretty high on the guy that they got second and that is former oakland athletic mark canna on a two-year deal very excited about this one i was most excited for this signing for you individually because you have been uh on him Mm. since this during the season you were all about them going out and getting him knowing that he's going to be a free agent uh very exciting man he's 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 an old school, like money ball type player to where he is going to get on base. He's got good pop. He played in the graveyard of the Coliseum. Yep. Um, he, he can play some outfield. He can fill in for center field if need be. He can play in left. He can play in right. But mostly he's an on base guy, like a, like a Brandon Nemo style with, with mm-hmm. more power. I would say a little bit more pop. Definitely. Um, 
I think that that combination right there of, of Canna from the right side and Nemo from the left side, like I just want to stack them at the front mm-hmm. just to see it, you know, have them go one, two with Lindor behind them. And then, mm-hmm. and then Alonso or Marte's got a God, Marte's got That's a hit what in I'm there. Saying. But, yeah. I totally it's agree exciting. with the one, two thing, but then like Marte's also in the mix now. So where does he go? He was like a normal leadoff hitter last year. So you have options now you have lineup. Yeah, versatility. You might have to move. Yeah, that's it. You're going to be able to find out what fits for you. They're going to have fun putting this together. So Canna is a great sign. He's a great personality. Uh, I was in spring training with them in 19 uh, with the A's, and he is a good human. He's going to bring good clubhouse vibes that we don't care about because that was so good vibes in the clubhouse apparently <laughs> all last year, and it, it, it amounted to a squat for us. Yeah, they were but really this good guy friends. really is – he's a really good fun person that's that's a grown-up he's 32 just like eduardo escobar uh he's a grown man he's ready to ready to to come to work uh i love what he brings to the table that's another uh the second really significant quality signing that they got on a two-year deal yeah i really love this contract it's way less than i thought it was going to be i thought canna was a lock to get like maybe 15 million a year he signs with the Mets for two years, 26.5. That's a little bit over 13 million. So they got him on a nice affordable contract. I think he's an everyday player at this point, unless the Mets continue to expand the outfield, which I don't think they will. I think they're pretty much done after what they did with Canna and who we're going to talk about next. But like you said before, Canna is an on-base machine to the caliber that Brandon Nimmo has been for the Mets. And give, now give the people some of these stats that you threw at me in the notes. Like, I don't even know do what it. he posted to BSR. I don't know what oh, that right. is. So teach me, please. That Well, that one actually <laughs> isn't so much on base. I'm glad that you asked about this. This is a base running yeah, metric. Yeah. It's BSR. It's on fan graphs. It's uh, used a lot uh, outside of like sprint speed, which is more for like, who's the fastest guy in the in the game. Base running is more just like a runner mentality and runner instinct, being a good runner on the base paths and taking the extra base and stuff like that. His score of two, you know, might not seem crazy uh, to the naked eye, but when you compare it to the team average of the Mets, which was negative 13.5, you can kind of grasp how poor of a base running team the Mets have been last year and years prior, which is why a signing like Canna and a signing like Marte especially is going to be beneficial in more than just one way for the Mets. These are not one dimensional signings by any means. These guys have a lot of tools that they bring to the table. I'm glad that I learned something, the base running metric, but uh, the emphasis that the, the emphasis that the Mets put on base running was actually really significant all through camp this past year. They really hounded on it. Tony Tarasco was giving guys incentives for, for trying to get that extra base. And you can see, even though they put a huge emphasis on it, they just weren't built to do that. Take that yeah. extra base, be aggressive. They just weren't right the team ready to do that. And so that's the style that they wanted to go for. So they continue to get guys that fit this, this mold that, that, you know, it starts with, with Sandy and, and Stevie Cohen, but this mold that Billy Uther wants to get and his style of player. And he went out and got guys that fit that. That's super exciting. Canna underrated base runner. Those are instincts things because he isn't the fastest guy on the field, but he does know how to run the bases, which is very key. Right. Yeah, I definitely agree. So like you look at these signings, you see guys that are veterans of the game. They understand they have roots like Canna was a long time minor league guy before he got his crack in the bigs. Uh, and, you know, you can definitely tell he's a season. He's only, he plays like a veteran, but he's still, you know, young thirties type of guy. So I definitely agree. Like that clubhouse presence thing, like we can joke around about it, but that is, that is at the end of the day. He's just a good dude. He's not going to bring, he's not yeah. going to be a bad guy in the clubhouse. And that's exactly. the only thing you, you, that's the only thing you worry about is if you can be a jerk, 
uh, but you don't want to be a negative presence. And he's definitely yeah. not that. That's basically Absolutely. the biggest thing. So I'm going to rattle off some stats here since we, uh, we got, we got some time. Uh, the big one that we've mentioned a couple times now is his on base percentage, uh, 366 on base clips since 2018. That's a four year window of consistent on base production. Now the Mets have two of these weapons in their lineup every day in Brandon Nimmo and Mark Canna. These are their specialties on the offensive side, drawing walks. Mark Canna led the American league and hit by pitches last season. He finds ways to get on base, which I absolutely love. Here's a good one as well. Mark Canna is kind of deceiving in the fact that he's a pretty good outfielder range-wise. There are three outfielders in MLB last year that had uh, the 93rd percentile in outs above average, meaning the top 10% of the league in terms of range in the outfield, as well as a 380 or more on-base clip. Those players are Juan Soto, who's pretty good, Brian Reynolds, who's pretty good, and Mark Canna, who's pretty good and now a New York Met. And I think I love that stat that was posted by Foolish Baseball. Thought it was a perfect stat that encapsulated how effective this signing can be, even though it's not the blockbuster move that many fans were expecting and would get later. He's one of those guys that, that uh, especially a team in the different league, in the National League that has never seen him, is going to be excited for because he's going to, they're going to appreciate the style of game that he brings, the quality. Got people that watch the, the, the games every day are going to be big Mark Canna fans. Yeah. And on top of that, I hope he brings the sideburns that he rocks on a, a semi-regular basis. He's mm-hmm. got the old school Joe Mowers, uh, and I dig it. So bring your bring your bring your flair. I want to see the beard come out though. It seems like he has like the hair, the facial hair for it. No, I mean if you can get he that might, thick of sideburns, uh, right? Uh, yeah, I think it might be a big red beard too because he's got the Ooh. blondie, sandy blonde. So who knows? Maybe it just that's that's the cutoff for him. I'd be a look. I'd be into it. It's, it's worth so it. I, I have an important question for you because this was this actually came up when I first brought up Marcana a few episodes ago. Where do you think that he plays? Because you have three outfielders now, all perfectly capable and all decent range in the outfield. How do you orchestrate them? Yeah, so we we haven't talked about him yet, but Starling Marte is the Mets center fielder. Like yes. that is cut and dry, easy to do. That slides Nimmo from center field to left field. And mm-hmm. I think that's a good move for him. It lets him slow the game down a little bit. It's easier to get reads in center field, but he's actually played a little bit metrically better left field than he has. Uh, And I think having this now lets him prepare the entire off season for playing left field. That's my anticipation. I don't know for certain that's what they're going to do, but I imagine that's what they're going to do. And then that leaves Mark Canna to play right field. And as you said, he's a, he's better than people give him credit for. I think, you know, this, probably sig- signifies the loss of Michael Conforto to the Mets, yep. which is another uh, poor, you know, maybe some 1942 out for him. A little, little bit different of a drink than loop, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but he was, he was hounded a little bit coming up for his defense. And I thought he played spectacular defense as, and he got better as he got older. I think Canna had the same kind of stigma because it isn't flashy. You'll see, he just kind of mm-hmm. knows what he does. It's he has better, he has better baseball instincts than some of the action show because he's able to anticipate. Maybe he'll cut a ball off off the wall a little bit quicker. He just does things better. He's a good baseball presence. And that outfield of Canna and right, Marte and center. And then if you put um, Nemo and left, I mean, that's that's a beautiful thing. I absolutely agree. I think there's a couple key takeaways there. I think one, you definitely feel the loss of Conforto's arm in right field. There's no sugarcoating that Conforto was a fat, fantastic uh, corner outfielder. No, no Accurate, two ways about big, it. Known Accurate, for those big plays important. too. Made just like in big moments, made that yep. spectacular throw. 
But here's the thing. I really love Nimmo in left field because I feel like Nimmo's weakest point in center field for me was his arm. And I feel like that it doesn't necessarily get canceled out, but it's definitely less of a factor if he's in left and can get much easier reads on these balls where he's a, a little bit more comfortable. I think that Nimmo did a fantastic job in center field last season. I think he really stepped it up and showed people that he's capable of playing that position. But Marte will just give him that that comfort room that I think will be super important for him. And also his health, because center field is a difficult position to play. It taxes your body, especially with how hard Nimmo plays the game. So I definitely agree with that uh, setup in the outfit. I think it's going to work best for the Mets. Yeah, I think you touched on all the things that, that make it a positive for Nimmo and for the for the team. So that's good. Absolutely. One last tidbit about Mark Canna. I'm also stealing this one from Twitter because it's too good. Shout you out don't to the Yankees fans steal from Twitter. Everything is stolen from Twitter. I'm a thief, man. I'm an information <laughs> thief. What can I say? It's out there for us. Mark Canna has a higher OBP since 2019 than Aaron Judge. How about that? Bite on yeah, that, man. Let's send that all to the talking Yanks. I think so. I hope they uh, they so, brush on it. That's right. They're they're going to be like Mark Canna is better than than Aaron Judge. Simple. That's what that means, right? On base percentage is the most important. <laughs> it's got to be. I, I agree. All right, should we tackle the big fish? Let's do it. Let's hit it up. Let's let's get right into it. I'm excited. Oh wait, wait. I wanted to I wanted a flashback real quick. We flashback. we talked about Aaron Loop. I wanted to say Louis Rojas. Good luck to you uh, mm. with the Yankees. Um, they got a. I think we might have covered it. I think um, briefly, but show. let's we can definitely but touch I, on it. I just wanted Aaron Loop gone, no Syndergaard gone. Uh, I wanted to say a quick shout out to Louis Rojas. I hope uh, he has great success over there. Good for him. Fantastic hire by the Yankees. I think they scooped yeah, him smart. up. Uh, I think I fully believe Rojas could have been a manager or a bench coach for many teams. And I'm perfectly uh, confident that he was a suitor in that regard, but he's joining a very successful organization. One that's revamping their coaching staff in a huge way. And Rojas is a fantastic hire for them. So I'm glad yeah, you brought that up. It's a great, I mean, you, it shows, it shows how quickly he, he was hired, just how quality of a, of a mind that he is with baseball. So that's, that's very exciting. Absolutely. So let's get into it. Let's get into the big dogs. Let's do it. The big one. It came when Jerry was asleep. I'm fairly confident because I didn't hear from him. (laughs) And I think Jerry was actually. You weren't. Oh, he wasn't at his phone. Unbelievable, Mm -hmm. Jerry. Wow. You weren't on the pulse. What's going on, man? Well, I have it. I have it on mute when I'm laying in bed. I don't let you bother me. That's fair. Yeah. He blocks all my calls (laughs) past 10 p.m. Yep. Starling Marte is a New York Met on a four-year, $78 million deal. His projected number for AAV was $20 million. The Mets got him a smidge under that. And I didn't really see this fit before. I just didn't really have the confidence in it that other people did. But it came together in a beautiful way, and he's excited to be a part of this club already. Yeah, I didn't see it coming either. You know, there was interest. There has been interest from the Mets for a long time on Starling Marte. Ever since he was in Pittsburgh, they tried to make trades for him for a long time. Um, I didn't see him going after this because of the need so much on the on the pitching side because this is a big get, but it's not a. It wasn't a glaring hole because Nimmo played so well there uh, that he was he was able to to hold that down. But this is a big get. This is a this guy. Is big. It's a little scarier as far as contract goes because he's mm-hmm. older and he plays such an athletic style of baseball that injuries could, you know, make him less valuable. But as far as I'm excited for it, because all signs point to this guy just being continuing to be a great presence. Absolutely agree. Here's something about the uh, the injury thing that I think we should touch on for sure. Uh, since 2013, so that's eight seasons. I'm gonna, oh, well, I'm gonna do seven seasons, exclude 2020. 
There's only one season here where Marte doesn't play at least 500 plate appearances in a season. So he's been consistently on That's the field while playing a really tough uh, position to play every day. And he brings a, a few things to the Mets that have been sorely missed for many years. One of which is just being a true center fielder. I feel like it's been a while since we've plugged in a guy there that can handle it defensively like Juan Lagares or Angel Pagan, but also can do it on the, on the base paths and with the bat, like Brandon Nimmo. It's been a while since we've had the whole package out in center field because it's such a lucrative position and MLB right now, especially. I think you nailed it. I think, I don't think we've had a true center fielder since Juan Lagares won the gold glove in what? 14? Yeah. Yeah, 14. Yeah. I don't think we've had a, yeah, I don't think we've had a solid, consistent this is our center fielder you know Nemo's always had question marks he's he did a good job there Granderson was aging when he got to that point and we were just filling in the spot so to have a center fielder playing center field is pretty solid absolutely and you mentioned Granderson this deal is extremely reminiscent of the deal we gave Granderson in 2014 that four year uh, for the uh, early 30s outfielder and you know it was a little bit rough goings at the beginning but in 2015 when they went on their run Curtis Granderson was one of the most valuable players on that team with a few World Series home runs to his name so I mean just on that linkage alone it gets me excited about the signing yeah anytime you can connect somebody to 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 granderson that's a good that's a good point but on Marte, man this guy is electric like you know we talked we talked about you know some of the things that eddie rosario did for the braves and how excited we are for eduardo escobar to kind of do that sterling Marte does that on a different level this is like this is like ronnie acuna style excitement from a veteran he doesn't have that high ceiling you know he doesn't have those you know 50 home runs in the bag i don't Mm -hmm. think but no, he brings a style of game that is fun to watch and it's and it's contagious guys see stolen not only does he steal bases he steals bases at an incredibly accurate clip like he doesn't get thrown out he's fast how many home, how many stolen bases did he have last year well here is an awesome stat this was from michael mayer uh, the Mets' entire roster in 2021 stole 54 bases as a collective team starting Marte stole 47 by himself and that led the That's AL. incredible. He's averaged that 32 is... steals a season since 2013. That's an eight-year window. Incredible. I think I think he's up over 90% stealing as well as like you don't he doesn't risk it yeah. unless he knows he's gonna get it for the most part. And he knows he's gonna get it a lot, which is awesome. We talk about base running instincts. When you have like elite speed like that and those kind of instincts and knowing when to pick your spots, it's it it makes your team better because you're always in scoring position. You're always a wild pitch away. Like you never know. And that puts pressure on, you know, you know, it's a silly thing, but having a guy being on first base and you have to pay attention to him as a pitcher and, and pick off, especially as a lefty, because I'm a little slower, things like that. Even a righty, you got to pay attention. It takes away from the plate. And then when he gets to second base, all of a sudden he's moving around and you got to keep him close because he's in scoring position. So it, it just adds an element to everybody behind him gets into scoring position. They're going to get better pitches. They can be selective. All the above, man. Just a great sign. Uh, a shocker, like we both said. I didn't see it coming. Uh, a fantastic get, man. He's a fun ball player. We've seen him a bunch because he was in Miami and Pittsburgh. Um, but he's he's electric, man. Yeah, I love the point you made about how it affects the pitcher. And I I think it draws back a little bit to uh, the Mets. They were a horrible team with runners in scoring position last year. So any element you can add to this lineup that gives them a better shot 
with those opportunities you need to take. And I think Sterling Marte is the perfect X factor for, for that kind of scenario. He only was caught stealing five times last year. So that's a well over 90% success. 47 rate. So to 47, five? 47 to five. That's crazy. <laughs> that's, I don't need to know the, the, the number, but that is a good number. That's incredible. That's absolutely crazy. So, okay. We know he can steal bases. We know that he has a solid bat, a 132 OPS plus last year. That's incredible. But how about, 17 outs above average in center field in the past four years. That is a nice glove to have out in center field. We haven't had a gold glove caliber glove in uh, the eight spot since Juan Lagarus, like you mentioned before. And we know firsthand from experience how much of a difference maker that can be alone. I heard some rumblings that he took a little bit of a step back this particular year, but I, that goes a lot like not being able to know your field. Like he just got to Miami. Now he just moved to Oakland, Oakland and Miami are huge outfields. Yep. And when you don't understand the parameters of this built-in fence that Oakland has, that just gets pushed in and, and has weird cutouts, like it makes you uncomfortable. And so I'm sure it took him a while to get that. And then Miami has a huge outfield too. So I, I don't anticipate anything but plus defense uh, coming from Marte um, probably for all four years, but definitely for the first two yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I, yeah, it's a good point to make because you don't know how long he's going to play center field because I think at the end of the contract, he will be 35. No, he will be 37 at the end of the contract. He's 33 right now. But for a 33 year old to be playing that well of a center field consistently, that's pretty impressive. And I think this is important to note because the Mets, we know that their infield defense improved vastly last season because of guys like Lindor and Javi Baez. But this outfield defense, aside from Conforto's cannon and right, has always been a little bit lacking. We're always sticking oddballs in left field. We know that Nimmo's not a true center fielder and Conforto was kind of carrying the load. And then you watch him basically walk this season. It's all but confirmed. And to plug these holes in such a rapid and you know productive fashion, I think, you know, warrants notice. I think that the Mets outfield is the best it's looked since like maybe the 06 through 08 teams. I think it's the most well-rounded this outfield has been in terms of corner outfield positions and center field. Yeah, man, it's exciting. It also, it opens up so many roster decisions. If you want to kind of get to that, like, because these spots are filled up and you don't need guys, you know, to fill in and, and play out of position there anymore. You, you don't need, a Jeff McNeil to roam left field because now we have Nimmo there. You don't need, uh, you don't need guys to just fill in there. Uh, And so there's some decisions that are going to be made on, on the makeup of this roster. Uh, And with somebody new in town and Billy Epler that has no significant relationships that I I know of with anybody here, there's not going to be any, any feelings that he's worried about hurting. He's going to come in and he's going to do what he thinks is best for the team. And that's scary and exciting because there's a lot of people that on this roster that, that fans love and are excited about, and then may have huge futures that, that should have really big futures. There's guys on the chopping block allegedly that could make a really good impact on other teams. And, and they may be packaged for a starting pitcher. We can get into that too. If you oh, want, yeah. I mean, we just signed two XAs and, and that would be if they're looking to make a trade, you know, you get a guy like Jeff McNeil that you want to just sit at a position uh, and, and let play like, you know, Dom Smith. If you want to if you trade away Matt Olson, he can go and play first base. They did it to Marcus Simeon and he worked through his 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 issues defensively and became the superstar. Uh, 
and it's exciting. So if that's a possibility for what goes on, uh, it, it just opens up in a complete plethora of things that, that you can do. And that's what, that's what most of these moves made. They solidified a lineup and a, basically an outfield and you can do so many things versatility wise. Now. I love that you brought this up because there are so many routes here. The, the first thing I want to say is that I really did think the Mets had a fantastic off season last year. I think they, they praised depth. They got a lot of pieces to back it up. I just think the depth folded in really quickly because of all the injuries. So one, if you, if there are no trades, having a bench of JD Davis, Dom Smith and Jeff McNeil is pretty damn good. These are proven yeah, major league absolutely. guys coming off down years. We had the um, bench mob, man. They filled in and did better than our starters for a long that's time. What I'm saying, so, man. so we have good team. Like we have a good depth which just guys that, you know, we counted on that didn't step up to the plate plus injuries, man. It was a disappointing yep. season, but these guys are still quality players. Yep. And it, it, like, there's still bias on the market. There's still KB on the market. I think the Mets have one more move for a position player in them before they are officially done and shifting to pitchers. And if that's the case, like you said, these roster spots are going to go quickly unless guys get injured like they did last season. There's not going to be a ton of room for guys like, I don't know, Luis Guillorme, who's been kind of the Mets mainstay since 2019. He could be getting snubbed. That leaves you the opportunity to orchestrate a trade. Like you said, if you want to go look at a Luis Castillo on the Reds or a Frankie Montas on the A's, if you don't feel like the pitcher market is what you desire and what you want out of it. Because we've heard all sorts of rumblings in the past few days. We're not going to get too much into it. But if I think the trading market for pitchers right now is far richer than the free agent market. I think there's a lot more routes you can go to. And with the A's, you know, if they do decide to trade Matt Chapman, well, maybe they might be interested in J.D. Davis to just be a placeholder for the time being. Or the same thing you said with Matt Olson with Dom Smith. The Mets have options now because they spent this big money and got three nice pieces, three lineup pieces. They have options to go to. And Billy Epler, as we touched on last episode, has a pretty good history with running these trades and, you know, benefiting his team. So I'm excited for that. Yep, I am, too. You know, his his kind of downfall has been it's not his downfall, but the, the knock on him has been pitching. And we still need pitching, but it'll be interesting, like you said, if he goes the trade route. I still think that that Stroman, Gosman uh, are the two big names out there. I don't think Robbie Ray is on our list because of the draft pick compensation. Right. But we'll see, man. We'll see. It's exciting. Yeah. I mean, so we, I'm, I'm really glad that this all happened before the lockup because now we're going to have all this time to think about what the Mets front well, office yeah. is thinking. As, you know? a, as a Mets fan, as a Mets podcast, it was really important for us to get a GM and to get some things on, on the paper. And yeah. so we actually have moves. We have a direction. This is, we've, we've been a compass without, uh, you know, a homing beacon to North. Like mm. this is the things that we're looking for. And now we have a direction. We're going to play on base. We're going to steal bases. We're going to play solid defense. Now it's going to see how we're going to pitch, how we're going to build the back end of our bullpen. Who's going to, who's going to be with DeGrom and, and Taiwan Walker. Uh, who are, who's going to be the substance of the pitching side. So we have a direction that's exciting. I know Mets fans don't there. We, they, we know we're not done and everybody has said it, but they can be excited about the future of this season, not just in seasons moving forward. I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that's an important piece to touch on too. the defense of this. I mean, if I'm a starting pitcher and I'm looking at a six year deal, a long term deal, and I'm going to spend a lot of time in this city with this team, I would want to pick the team that is fielding a fantastic defense behind me, because mm -hmm. not only is that going to help my rep, but it's going to help the team in general. If you're a pitcher that pitches to contact, 
like Marcus Stroman, especially, he really benefited from that solid infield defense last year. Or if you're a fly ball pitcher like John Gray, who had a tough time sometimes at cores with how easily fly balls can go out of there. I'm looking at the Mets and I'm saying this might work especially for me. And maybe, you know, I take a comfortable deal because of that. And I think the Mets have a short up outfield defense. Now they have Lindor for eternity. So you have the toughest position covered. I mean, what's not to like if you're a starting pitcher, you know, if they're matching those offers and they're giving you what you think you deserve. I mean, I would be inclined towards the Mets. That's just my opinion. I, I couldn't agree more, man. A defense behind you. It's not just about the dollar signs anymore. It's it, it definitely helps. And, and the Mets aren't going to be short on that. But as far as the question marks, the reason why we wouldn't sign a Max Scherzer or a Justin Verlander, those are gone now. They have a direction. They, there's no more like, well, what are you going to do now? You know, you can sign a, a Max Scherzer for a one, two, three-year deal and, get, and give a, a real chance to win a World Series. And that's what those guys are looking for. Gosman wants to win a World Series too. He got a taste of it. He's been chasing it. He wants to get paid, but he also wants to be on a good team that can play some good defense behind him. And Stroman... You know, we know how he fits into New York. We, we've seen him say he loves New York. I don't disagree. I am pretty shocked that his name hasn't been brought up more because I think yeah. personally it's been all Gosman, not even really Robbie Ray. I haven't heard anything significant about Stroman. I don't know if that's a huge asking price because to me, he's the best pitcher on the market as far as consistency, youth, um, effectiveness, the stuff that he does, will he will do for a long time. The the ground balls, he's not a huge you know swing and miss guy, but he can be. I think what he brings to the table, great defense, and you know that'll be effective no matter where he goes. Uh, so I'm I'm shocked to not hear his name because I still feel like he is the top name on there outside of you know Max Scherzer because yeah you know you got Kershaw who's a Hall of Famer. You don't know what you're going to get with him health wise, which is, you know, sad for me because I think he's, you know, he was the best pitcher for the entire time I was in the league. You know, you have guys like Kim Scherzer, Verlander, you know, I had King Felix coming up when I was first coming up. These are the names that I always admired. And to Kershaw, Kershaw is still young. He's still got some left in the tank. Maybe he wants to move to the other coast. Who knows? But yeah, who knows? And all this talk about uh, starting pitchers just make me uh, want to, check twitter really quick to make just sure we hit a, hit miss a refresh. Anything. just a refresh <laughs> like Go to break some it. news i don't who knows I don't think there's wouldn't that be see, I, I did the professional i i hit the old um do not disturb sign you don't yeah. see anything that's good who's yeah, no, your go-to no. twitter like you don't have to give me one give me a couple names that you follow john morosi if i'm looking for news john morosi is one uh for sure um if i'm looking for like met stats i love michael mayer i think he does a really good job uh, there's a couple of great ones that I'm, I'm obviously forgetting right now, but I want to touch on uh, the starting pitcher debacle because I definitely agree that Stroh and Gossman top of the list for sure. But you have these weird asterisks with kind of all of them, including Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray is the high strikeout guy and he had walk problems in the past and it seems like he's figured himself out, but like who knows if he'll regress. Kevin Gosman, he's really found himself with that splitter. He's really expanded his arsenal, but it's still a recent, you know, change of events for him. 2020, 2021. That's about it. You're committing to a six-year deal with him. Like he also, he also had a little bit of a decline after the first half. Not not Taiwan Walker-esque, but he had a, a had a fall off there. He was like Cy Young favorite for a long time and then kind of became pedestrian. 
And then Marcus Stroman, I mean, you have this solid defense behind you and you're built your team around that. So that works for him. But yeah, this is a guy who pitches to contact predominantly as his bread and butter. So that can't falter behind him or else he might falter as a result. So there's, there's hitches to all of these, but I don't think the Mets go wrong with any of these guys. I don't think they get more than one. I think that's a little ludicrous to assume. Um, but I think they will get one because they're they're I think they're committed to the six. One of the idea. big ones. Yeah, I think so. Just yeah, because I think I, so too. I think they like the six year thing. I think they're more than willing to to put their foot down and show the money and show that they can do it. Um, and the negotiations have heated up today, especially. So whether it's Gosman, whether it's Stroh, there will be hitches that come with it. But I think the Mets come out the other side a much better team, obviously. Yeah, I think they get one of those guys. Um, but I also think that John Gray is a name that you mentioned that's had struggles. He's a young, you know, big time prospect that kind of struggled in Coors Field, a fly ball guy. It's a tough place to be a fly ball pitcher. Um, and the, you know, the kind of up and down nature, we'll say, with the Rockies organization and, and kind of what they've done as a, as a team. It's hard to be a guy there and be consistent, you know. Uh, and so that's an interesting name that you've attached yourself to that I would be as excited maybe just a touch less that we got Canna. Mm -hmm. If we got John Gray, I would be just a touch less excited for you individually. If we got John Gray, it would be another call for me, which would be, you know, very, very, very nice. And the thing with John Gray is no qualifying offer attached, no draft pick loss. That's what you're dealing with, with Robbie Ray. You're getting the AL Cy Young, but the Mets are desperately trying to rebuild this farm and replenish it for the future. And losing a first round draft pick is, is tough. It's tough to do in back-to-back years. You have one with Gosman, right? Gosman, I, I believe, is no qualifying offer because no, he because he it took it. He took it last year. That's right. right. He was he's, on he's the, the, he was on the qualifying. That's right. He was on. That's the sort qualifying of him and Stroman at the year. top. That's yeah. right. I couldn't exactly. remember. So that's. I mean, that's super attractive. If the Mets want Marcus Stroman, he is there. I think he would love to come back. He's shown that he's capable of pitching here. They have the pockets if they want him. I think that he's there. But I, it'll be a. It'll be a telling sign if they sign him. I think his, I think his price tag is the highest and it should be. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like, you know, they do what they did kind of with uh, JT Real Muto and go and sign, you know, go and sign the guy right underneath them for a little bit shorter for, you know, what they anticipate it's going to be, you know, a better cost-effective impact. Yeah. And I think speaking on cost-effectiveness, Uh, We know last season Lindor signed the huge $340 million deal and that kind of tied the Mets hands for a little bit. Not saying that they ran out of money by any means. It's Steve Cohen's team now, but in total on these three guys yesterday, the Mets spent $124.5 million, a lot to spend in one day. But when we look at it from not that surface value and sort of the value of the high echelon free agents, that money is worth about one Michael Conforto or one Marcus Stroman, maybe even one Kevin Gosman. And the Mets did this and got three solid everyday players that made their team better in pretty much every aspect. So I think cost efficiency is incredibly important to this team. And that's why maybe they might be attracted to a guy like John Gray, who's maybe on a three to four year deal for significantly less. But at the same time, the Mets have made it abundantly clear that they're willing to spend big and enter that uh, that big figure market and that six year deal type of uh, uh, environment. So, I mean, I don't know what the future holds, but I really love the way the Mets have spent their money so far, far more than last season. Couldn't agree more. This has been like these are moves that a winning organization makes. These are good things that you need to do. These are these are things that needed to be done. 
and they did them at the highest quality. It's the best thing. Now is when it comes a little bit of the wild card, a little bit of the gunslinger type approach to how deep are those pockets? What are you really looking for? What are you trying to do? So this will be a little bit more of the wild, wild west. Now that we have a direction of the offense, they can explore things. Do they want to go for Javi Baez and, and Chris Bryant make a huge splash there? Or I think more more appropriately, I think that's going to go straight to the starting pitch and maybe even a back-end bullpen guy or two. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. One thing that is super clear at this point is that the Mets are going to blow past the luxury tax, which I think is a super encouraging sign to the fans that this team means business. We're hovering right below it right now. I'm not sure the exact value, but with one more substantial signing of even on a two-year deal, the Mets will exceed it. And I think they're going to go way past it at this point. Let's hope, let's hope the, the, the debacle of the CBA, let's hope it gets cleared up quickly, first of all. Um, but let's the get rid of the, the, get rid of the luxury tax. Don't punish the team for trying to win, man. I hate it. That's what I'm saying. I don't know man. why you do it. Don't punish Ridiculous. a player by attaching a draft pick compensation for being really good. And don't punish a team for trying to win. Like, wh- why? I don't understand. Don't me, man. I, I do no understand idea. it. I do, but <laughs> it's a business thing. But uh, yeah. yeah, the collective. But I, I just, I'm excited for the Mets on where they're at. I think it's a like a like for the first time, this is the direction that Stevie Cohen has been looking for. They got pieces in place now. They have a a, a GM, and like I said, we have a. Uh, a compass pointing in a direction and it's really exciting. It's a brand of baseball that I really like because we had the bad defense in, you know, 15, 16, 17, you know, 18, where we just were like, we don't need defense as long as we hit. Oh yeah. And, and that's tough to watch. It's tough to pitch to you. You have to literally alter how you pitch because you have to go strikeout. You have to have swing and miss. Um, and then, you know, now with the good defense, now you can, you can attack more. You can change a little bit. You can do things that are smarter knowing that, okay, I've got a good defense behind me. I can let them play. Or if I let a guy get on that, like a Juan Soto, if I do walk him, whoever's on deck, I know that I can roll this double play up because I have players around me that can make this better. It's there. The, the, what they did makes the Mets better, no matter what happens moving forward. And I think a great way to end our discussion today is the quote that Hector Gomez got from Southern Marte immediately after his signing. Quote was, the Mets have it all. It will be a great opportunity to play with them. They are in a position right now to compete and compete in a World Series. Pretty high praise, man. That's pretty high praise. That's great. I think that's coming from the top dog, too, because to sign that deal for a big name like that, you're going to speak to the owner. And he's like, look, we're going to do some things. So that's exciting. He's that he was that last piece to, to, to tell those other guys like, Hey, this is a destination. So awesome. Yeah. So all the Mets fans out there that were bearing down on the LOM Mets and stressed about GMs and hearing random names they haven't heard before. And then seeing rejections and all that crap over the past two months yesterday was for you guys. I think this fan base was fully deserving of it. And I think there are a lot of good things ahead and maybe we might be on a collision course towards this December 2nd date and might get one or maybe even two more blockbuster deals before that point. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the point. We might see something before the December 1st deadline. So that'll be there. Then there'll be crickets for a while. I think Oh yeah, we'll have plenty <laughs> of downtime. This is an exciting, fun, topical Mets, like 
excitement podcast and I, I i was excited to jump on it at this absolutely 9 45 p.m that hour doing flew by, you know man. i'm retired right i know i'm gonna let you go soon i promise sure i've got nine peas during the middle of the night that i have to get to and then i have breakfast at 4 30 so we're good i got oatmeal. trials there yeah oh oatmeal very nice <laughs> oatmeal guy oatmeal for the boys no of course all right well thank right, you Jolly. this was lovely yeah. man course as it always is jerry come on big shout out to mets fans you should sleep a little bit easier this holiday season you can you know, use that tryptophan and the turkey and you can sleep peacefully it won't be a a, a nightmare jarred awake from your nap so enjoy yeah. absolutely well for shea station and jumbo media i am jelly olive i am jolly olive's partner jerry blevins Lugie i am extraordinaire Lugie extraordinaire old man Lugie, right <laughs> aren't we all i think even if you're a loogie, so. even if you're 20 you're old <laughs> and we will see you guys later this week thanks for tuning in thanks let's go mets call strike three a career high 15 strikeouts for jacob de grom alonzo to his left flipped to the ground and the ball